Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Do You Believe I Am Able to Do This? Praise the Lord. The title of my message this morning is, Do You Believe I Am Able to Do This? Do You Believe I Am Able to Do This? You know, a few months ago, I was starting to dream big again, pulling some of my big dreams off the shelf and putting them out there. And I heard the Lord say to me, Do You Believe? I'm able to do these things for you. And I had to pause for a second and wonder if I really believed or if it's just a pipe dream of something I'd like to do. I finally realized, no, this was a dream that God etched in my spirit long ago. And he was prodding me to answer this question. Do you believe I'm able to do these things for you? And my response was, finally, one day I said, yes, Lord, I believe. We have to start with believing first. It's the starting point for faith. If you don't believe he's able to do great things for you, you're not going to go far in your faith believing for big dreams in your life. Amen. So, do you believe I'm able to do this? Let's launch right into the word. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8 in the New King James Version. This is the parable of the unjust judge, and we're going to use something that's found in here to launch into the deep and talk about, do you believe I'm able to do this? So let's get started. This is Jesus speaking a parable. He says in verse 1, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Listen to this part. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? The Amplified says, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? So let's take a few moments and unpack the parable of the unjust judge. There's a couple of things that are worth noting as we pass through, even though it's not totally germane to the message this morning. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is this. God is not saying that we should pester him and pester him and pester him until he finally gives in and gives us what we're asking for. That's not what this parable is about. No, Jesus is making a huge contrast between the unjust judge and the most righteous 
and just judge in all the universe. No, he says, he will not be like the unjust judge who does not fear God or man, who doesn't really care about anybody and only grants you justice to get you off his back. No, he says, God will avenge the ones he loves, the ones who cry out to him day and night. He will avenge them speedily. He won't drag his feet like the unjust judge. The second thing I want you to see in this parable is this. Although Jesus does not advocate the pester God till he gives in method of prayer, he does seem to be saying that we should emulate the persistent faith of the widow in this parable. She simply would not give up. Only with the right mindset that God will not answer a cry for justice grudgingly, but willingly and speedily. Okay, so the third thing I want you to see is something that we're going to use as a launch point for this teaching on, do you believe I'm able to do this for you? The Bible tells us that when Jesus comes to visit people and places on planet earth, he'll be looking for this kind of persistent faith. Well, Brother Scott, I thought Jesus lives in heaven. What do you mean he comes to visit planet earth? Well, I'm here to tell you he lives in heaven, but he is not glued to his throne. He does get up from time to time and come down and walk in the midst of the churches and walk even in the midst of our homes. Amen. So before we get too deep into this message, I want to show you that in the Word so that you won't get nervous on me. Revelation chapter 1, the last verse is verse 20, and then Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to read them in order. Now, a little bit of background. This is Jesus in the vision of the Apostle John that became the book of Revelation. The mystery, Jesus says, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. I'll read that again. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. All right, so the lampstands are symbols of the churches. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So here we see, from this passage in Revelation chapter 1 and chapter 2 that Jesus used symbols in a vision to convey a message to the Apostle John that he wanted to give to the churches of Asia Minor. So here's the key point. If the lampstands represent the churches and Jesus said, I am he who walks in the midst of the lampstands, it says to me that he walks in the midst of the churches not only of Asia Minor but the churches of our day. I believe he's walked in this church. Now, whether he comes in bodily form or in the spirit, I think that's kind of up to him. I 
I suspect it's probably mostly in the Spirit. Either way, it's clear to me that He comes for a visit now and then. And when He comes, He's looking to find faith. And in doing so, He's fulfilling an old covenant promise, which is now extended to new covenant believers. And that is 2 Chronicles 16.9, King James Version. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Most of the time, people just read that part, the first part of 2 Chronicles 16.9. But it goes on to say, Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So let me give you some background so you'll have a better understanding in context of what Second Chronicles 16.9 is really saying. What does it mean to have a heart that is perfect or complete toward Him? If you read this verse in context, you'll find out that Asa, king of Judah, had an occasion where the nation of Ethiopia launched an attack against Judah with a million-man army, and they were hopelessly outnumbered. On that occasion, Asa put all of his trust in the Lord and in the Lord alone. And the Lord God delivered him, and he took an inferior army, and he routed the million-man army of the Ethiopians. Amen. Now, after many years of peace, the Syrians invaded the land, and they started taking the cities of Judah. But instead of doing what he did the first time, placing all of his trust in the Lord and in him alone... He sent gold and silver to the king of Syria, buying him off and convincing him to withdraw his troops from the land of Judah. And they did. But God told King Asa through a seer, through a prophet, that he had done foolishly by temporarily buying off the king of Syria. How many know, even though he bought them off, they came back? He should have remembered that the eyes of the Lord, listen to me, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect or complete or fully trusting in the Lord and in the Lord alone. That's what that scripture means. That's the kind of faith the Lord is looking for. Do you believe that I and I alone can help you out of this dilemma? Am I your Lord? Am I the Lord of all, the Lord of the universe? Are you looking to me and me alone to solve this problem? Or are you going to do it man's way and try to make it happen yourself? Amen. Amen. So if Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches and he's looking for faith, can we see some examples in his earthly ministry of what that looks like? And I believe we can. One of the techniques that Jesus used often, I think it was to prod people, to get faith to rise in people, to stir their faith. Jesus used dialogue to locate and to stir a person's faith. Amen. The first one I want to mention is two blind men following Jesus. Now, this is a really funny story if you read it with a a laughing eye like I've done. I'll give you a little bit of background. Jesus had just raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. 
And evidently there was a crowd that gathered because of this great miracle. And the crowd moved from Jairus' house to another house in the city. And all the people went from one house to another. And the Bible says two blind men followed him. Now, I don't know how in the world two blind men followed him. But somehow or another, they made it through the streets and they made it into the house. And this is what this opening passage is about. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 to 31, New King James. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? What a question. What a foundational, fundamental question. I believe he was saying, you're halfway there. You believe I'm the Messiah. You cried out to the son of David. And yes, I am the greater son of David. But do you want to take it a step further? Do you believe that I'm able to do this for you? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. What a bunch of knuckleheads. They have such a dramatic encounter with Jesus and then to flout his word like that. So Jesus asked them, do you believe I am able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And I believe their eyes were opened according to the faith that the Lord had stirred in their hearts with his words. So how can we apply this to the here and now? Well, whether you believe in God for the full manifestation of a healing in your body, whether you have a great financial need, whether you're up against seemingly impossible odds, or whether you believe God has placed a big dream in your heart and you need Him to help you walk it out. I believe He's asking the same question. Do you believe I'm able to do this for you? It's a fundamental question that we need to answer because it's the starting point, as I said earlier, for our faith, regardless of what scenario we may be facing. The answer, of course, to the question is, yes, Lord, I believe you are able to do this for me. So let's talk about big dreams, for example, since I mentioned it already. When it comes to dreaming big dreams from God, he's asking you the same question. Do you believe I'm able to do these things for you? Do you believe I'm able to do these things for your church? Do you believe I'm able to do these things for the church? Do you believe I'm able to do these things for your country? Do you believe I'm able to bring revival and restore righteousness, truth, and justice to America? We should all say, yes, Lord, we believe. Now bring revival and the restoration of righteousness, truth, and justice to America. That is our decree. I use that example because these days, that is the constant prayer of my heart and the constant declaration of my mouth. I believe, in spite of all the contradictory circumstances, that America shall be saved. That's why I say it all the time, because I believe what I'm saying. 
You know, when the Lord asks you the question, do you believe I'm able to bring this big dream to pass in your life? There's a scripture you might be familiar with that will help you with your answer. And it is my wife's favorite scripture, Ephesians 3.20. And I want to read it to you in the King James. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. Amen. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, some translations say ask or imagine, according to the power that's working in us. Amen. Resurrection power is working in us. So again, when he asks you the question, do you believe I'm able to bring this big dream to pass in your life? We should answer by saying, yes, Lord, concerning this dream, I believe you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask, think, or imagine according to the resurrection of power that's constantly at work on the inside of me. Praise the Lord. All right, so you got the two blind guys, and now you got blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Now it's interesting to me, uh, the words here, if you take a little time to examine the word or the name Bartimaeus, it is actually the Jewish way, the Hebrew way of saying Bartimaeus, the son of Timothy which is repeated here, Bartimaeus, the son of Timothy, sat by the road begging. Notice it never tells you who he was. He's just that old blind son of Timothy. So he was a nobody. And yet Jesus cares about the nobodies in this world. Amen. Verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And listen to this. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Mark that. That's very significant. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. This time, Jesus discerned the faith of Bartimaeus by both his words and his actions. He began to declare his belief that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David. So he's, he's halfway there, and he did so in repeated and loud and raucous fashion. It upset all the religious people around him. Then Jesus called him forward and asked him, What do you want me to do for you? I believe 
that Jesus knew the man had faith as soon as he saw him cast off his beggar's garment, that which identified him as a blind beggar. Bartimaeus knew that he was going to receive his sight and would never need it again. And I believe Jesus' question was just another version of what we talked about already with the other two blind guys. Do you believe I'm able to do this for you to restore your sight? And his actions and his words declared that he did. Therefore, Jesus said to Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus gave Bartimaeus the option of going his own way. But he chose instead to follow Jesus, the one that had given him his sight, the one that allowed him to follow him in the way. Now, how can we apply this example to the here and now in our life in this day and age? Well, when God asks you the question, do you believe I'm able to bring this big dream to pass in your life. Don't you know how old you are? Are you ready to say yes, to leave behind the cloak that defined you before and strike out in a completely new direction? Are you ready to do that? I'm talking to somebody here today. Last example, the Canaanite woman. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. New King James. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here Jesus makes it clear to the Canaanite woman that the major focus of his ministry was the people of Israel. He was also pointing out that she was correct to call him the son of David. He was the Messiah he just was not her Messiah. Not yet. But she was not deterred by his words. She just changed her approach. Verse 25. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Notice she, she called him Lord instead of Son of David. Instead of Messiah. Now she's appealing to him as the Lord of all, not just the Messiah of Israel, but the Lord of all, the Creator. And he may not have been her Messiah, but he was her creator. And in that sense, he was her Lord too. Verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. King James says dogs. The actual Greek word there means little dogs or puppies. Amen? So this was not as harsh a term as many have been led to believe. He's just saying, I'm saving the full loaf for my children. I can't cast it to the puppies. Let them eat the crumbs. Again, he was just pointing out that she had no covenant with God that contained healing or deliverance for her daughter. Verse 
verse 27. And this just, sometimes I read this, it, it makes me tear up. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs, even the puppies eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I love, love, love this story. This woman persisted with Jesus until she made an argument he could not resist. And I believe his comments to her were not meant to discourage her, but to stir up her faith, to believe that the Lord of all the universe would find a way to deliver her daughter from bondage. I believe that that in this dialogue that he had with this woman, he was asking her the same question that he asked the blind man we've discussed in our last two examples. Do you believe I'm able to do this for you? And I believe she responded by saying, in effect, since you're the Lord of all the universe, I believe there's more than enough power in just one crumb from the master's table to completely heal, to completely deliver my daughter from demonic bondage. And that's exactly what she got. Her daughter was delivered that very hour. Touching story, but how can we apply it to our life today? Well, when God asks you the question, do you believe I'm able to bring this big dream to pass in your life? Are you ready to say, yes, Lord, I believe, and leave behind the limitations that you and others have placed on the Lord your God, the master of the universe? Don't limit God. Anything is possible. All things are possible to him that believes. Amen. So let me wrap this up by leaving you with the scripture that we read earlier that I believe now needs to be at the forefront of our hearts. That is, if we're dreaming big dreams. Because it's the definitive answer to the question, do you believe I'm able to do this for you? This time I want to read it to you in the Amplified Classic Version. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and to do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare, ask, or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. I'm telling you, he's not only able, but he is willing to help you bring your dream to pass. If he placed it in your heart, he will help you walk it out step by step. Amen. Amen. To him be all honor and glory and power and dominion. That's not from Scripture. That's from me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe that Scripture says it all. So much so, I'm going to read it to you again. Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. You got a big dream? 
You're thinking it's high. You're thinking it's mighty. He's thinking higher, and he's thinking mightier. If you think it's big, he's thinking it's puny. He wants you to dream big. Far above all you could dare, ask, or imagine. Can you imagine that? I can't even imagine that. Have we even come close to probing the boundaries of what this saying is saying here? Are we really believing that he's able to do super abundantly, far over and above all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams? If we can ever cross that threshold, Katie, bar the door, big dreams are fixing to come to pass. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message. Do you believe I am able to do this? If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Coffee and Fellowship and 10.30 for Worship and Service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.